Jess, it's happening. Whoa, Tina, what are you doing in my car? Space is here now. No closet will be left behind. Did you say closet? Yes, the Container Store custom closets are up to 25% off. It doesn't matter the size or shape. Space is coming to them all. You're not serious. Space isn't a joke, Jess. How long do we have? Through October 13th. All right, buckle up. The Container Store custom closet sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha. The Container Store, where space comes from. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. Welcome once again. It is the J.C. and Morgan podcast. He is J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. I'm Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network. And we've got plenty of things to talk about. A look back at what happened this past weekend, our uh, weekly version of hits and misses. Then, of course, a sneak preview of what lies ahead, which... On top of what was already a somewhat lackluster week of matchups outside of a couple that should be very good, now we have uh, weather issues, hurricane issues that is going to wreak havoc with a lot of games in the uh, Carolinas and the Southeast potentially as a whole. So we'll get more into that later on. But, J.C., uh, I know the... uh, the game that you had your eyes on that so many had their eyes on the biggest game in the southeastern conference at least coming in was certainly georgia south carolina uh you made a very bold prediction last week i know you were uh, pretty confident that this could be a kind of turn the corner game for will muschamp and the program but instead uh, a georgia team that I, I think a lot of people might have forgotten just how good georgia is right now despite losing some quality players they put it on the Gamecocks in Columbia, and that kind of led the way storyline-wise in the SEC. Yeah, Georgia um, was better than I thought. Maybe South Carolina's not quite as good. Um, just going back and looking at the game film, you know, when you're an underdog in a game like that, you know, and you come out and you're moving the ball, and then, a you know, second drive, a ball bounces off a running back's shoulders. DeAndre Baker's right there, touchdown. Uh, Georgia gets the ball back. They go straight down the field and score a touchdown. You're already behind 14 nothing. And I thought the Gamecocks, to their credit, didn't roll over and die. Um, you know, you come back, it's 14-7. Then you get an interception and you don't score. Uh, you're at their 35-yard line. Okay, so when you're trying to upset a team, you know, the chances of you winning diminish tremendously. Uh, when you have things like that happen, you, you have to take advantage of what they give you. If, if they throw a pick, which Georgia's not going to turn it over a whole lot, uh, that was a play where I think the receiver ran the wrong route and from threw it to Rashad Fenton. You know, you, you're just not going to win. Uh, you know, you, South Carolina had their best drive of the day right before the half. Uh, they're second and three from the six. They have to settle for a field goal. Credit Georgia with that. Um, and then where I thought the game really – Turned it was not necessarily the first three drives of the second half. Though had that happened, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Uh, I thought Georgia seized some momentum right uh, right when it was seventeen ten. South Carolina gets the ball back. There's a wheel route to the same running back that had a bounce off his shoulders, wide open. Uh, maybe he would have had it at the Georgia 34, first and ten with a minute to go, uh, down seventeen ten. So you think maybe that's at least a field goal. Um, that doesn't happen. There's a punt that kind of was iffy. 
Georgia goes down, gets that field goal right before the half. I thought that zapped all the momentum. Uh, and then Georgia in the second half behind the what, what I think is a great offensive line, and I said this before the game, um, just rolled down the field on the Gamecocks. Carolina couldn't get anything going. Um, just looking at Georgia, I thought Tyler Clark, their defensive tackle, played outstanding. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that could be an all-SEC guy this year, uh, a big-time type of guy. Uh, I thought DeAndre Baker was special uh, in the secondary. You know, Locked up against Debo Samuel, that's not easy. But they limited Debo Samuel in the football game. Uh, and I thought Holyfield of their backs because, you know, I thought Heron got in there and ran well. Uh, I thought Holyfield was more impressive to me than I thought. And then, of course, DeAndre Swift. And Jake Fromm, Mike, I think has taken a step as a quarterback. Uh, you know, I think last year as a true freshman, uh, he was awfully, awfully solid. Uh, I think now he's gotten a lot more comfortable with that offense. And people don't understand this about Jim Chaney. Um, you think back through his career, he had a good offense going that was effective scheme-wise at Tennessee under Derek Dooley. Uh, you know, they had Tyler Bray and those guys. Tennessee could score, you know, when they had a quarterback that was decent. Jay Chaney could put him in position. Um, I think because he was at Arkansas for a while, people and, and now at Georgia with all those backs, they think he's kind of a grounded pound guy. But they have a very good offense. They attack the perimeter. Um, and I thought South Carolina really, really struggled, and that was the difference in the game. You look at McCole Hardman uh, and just how fast he was compared to the South Carolina defensive backs. Uh, a lot of team speed. Will Muschamp said that going into the game. As far as the prediction goes, I, I'll own it, like I said. Um, I made it. Uh, I still think South Carolina has a chance to be a really good football team this year. I think Georgia has a chance to be a really, really good football team this year. Uh, and certainly there's a long season to go, and, and we'll see how it plays out. But I I thought, you know, some of the talk about Alabama East and all that stuff was a little premature. But what they did on Saturday reminded me of some of those Alabama games. And Alabama did this to Georgia one time. You know, they came into Georgia to Athens. Mark Rick and his, his, his team were off to a good start. This was 2008. So I believe it was Matt Stafford's senior year. Uh, Bama comes in there. You know, Georgia, I think, is about a seven-point favorite. They have a blackout. Georgia's up thir- – I mean, Alabama's up 30 to nothing at halftime and just demoralized Georgia at that point. Um, same thing's true when you look back at the 2015 Georgia-Bama game where Bama came to Athens and just piled them up. And Bulldog fans, I'm not trying to, like, bring up bad memories because you won in Columbia on Saturday. What I'm saying is that performance Saturday, Mike, reminded me of those – kind of early-ish to late-ish Alabama road performances where they were just so much physically more dominant than the other team, particularly on the lines of scrimmage and in the run game, uh, there was just no chance, especially after the second half started. You know, Gamecocks needed to come out and get a stop, and and they obviously didn't. Georgia ran through them like a knife through butter. Uh, Then failure to execute on third down on offense. Uh, really hurt South Carolina's chances for staying in the game. I don't know that if things worked out differently in some of those second-quarter drives, that if South Carolina would have even won the ball game, and I don't even know that it would have been – it probably would have been closer than 24 points, but I, I don't know that it would have been terribly in doubt in the fourth quarter. But, you know, I, I do think that, you know, it could have been a little bit different uh, – 
competitive score at the end. Although the outcome, I don't know the outcome would have been in doubt. I I was that impressed with Georgia. You can tell you tell they've been lifting weights and getting in shape over in Athens. And they have in Columbia too. But when you have better talent and equal development and work ethic, that kind of thing's gonna happen. I mean and South Carolina's been working very hard and, and trying to build that program, but you know, Georgia is not they are definitely now Mike not the Georgia of old any longer. A lot of stuff there, a lot of good stuff there. I'll, I'll tell you where I was going into this game and why I, I, I saw Georgia winning it and have been kind of adamant about that for about three months because it feels like I've been talking about this game for three months. Um, this is less about South Carolina taking a step backwards and more about Georgia taking a step forwards. Gamecock fans shouldn't sit there mired in depression. Uh, 24 hours flush it out. The fact of the matter is the program is still on the right track, still going to have a good season. Um, You know, Jake Bentley, there are days I'm convinced he is going to be an all-SEC quarterback, and there are days I'm convinced that maybe he's already hit his ceiling. I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that there's a lot of things to be excited about in Columbia overall, and I still think that team is going to win eight, nine games. And I've said if they won eight, it wouldn't actually be a step backwards, believe it or not, because they won Oh, it just sometimes, you know, when you, when you win a lot of games the way Carolina won them last year, which is turnover margin, turnover differential, close games, eventually that stuff kind of evens out. So you might not win as, as many of those games this year. This game was not going to come down to that. This game, and I said this a while ago, and I'll say it again, as much as Carolina is improving, Georgia is closer to Alabama then Carolina is close to Georgia. Carolina's on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Are, are you, are you, I'm definitely with you, but they're getting pretty darn close. Uh, and they are not that far off. You know, what they don't have is the Alabama walks onto the field and they know they've got a head, a hall of fame coach that's led that program to five national. T- but what they do have is a talent base, a recruiting base and a coaching staff. And I'm right there with you on coach Cheney. Coach Cheney's very under, and he's not ground and pound. If you watch what they do, he throws a lot of wrinkles in there. Did mm-hmm. it last year too. He knows how to make the best you. Of his he's first very, year, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's very hard to coach. If you think you know what he's doing, he has he has the ability to make adjustments. So many. Co- yeah, so so many just don't. You're right. They don't. They don't. Like like they have their scheme, and they know how to perfect that scheme to the best of their ability. And come hell or high water, they're going to keep doing what they know. But come halftime, they don't know how to make adjustments. They don't know how to do things on the fly. Cheney's he's been around so long. He, he knows. Yeah, yeah. And that offensive line's a big difference. Offensive line is huge. One of the best in the conference, bar none. Jake Fromm. You you brought up the point. The development of him. Jake Fromm is never going to have Heisman Trophy numbers, but Jake Fromm is the kind of guy that can lead you to a national championship. He is special. I, I didn't think Justin Fields would see the field, and correct me if I'm wrong, he didn't get a snap, did he, Jason? Well, he, he played late, late, late in the game. He played late when the game was yeah. mop-up duty, yeah, essentially, mop-up duty. but but not a meaningful snap. Uh, all that all that talk about a quarterback controversy, uh, Fields could be the best thing since sliced bread, but, but you're not taking Fromm out right now the way Georgia, going back to last year, how they've been playing on offense with, with Jake from so uh, this is again it's just a case where kirby smart who i think would have been a good coach anyway and a good a good staff uh including a defensive coordinator that might start getting looks as a head coach they inherit a program that it was turnkey 
for whatever reason, Mark Rick could not get it over the hump, but they were still damn good for about a decade. It's not what Will Muschamp inherited in South Carolina. That is apples and oranges comparison stuff. So, uh, again, uh, less about the Gamecocks going backwards. I don't think that at all. More about where Georgia is. And what you did, if you're a Carolina fan, you just lost to one of the best teams in the country. Okay? Nothing to hang your head about it, uh, for, for long. And if you're Georgia, you just got more validation that you're ready, even with what you lost from last year, to make another run. Doesn't mean they're going to do it. Doesn't mean they're going to make the playoff. Doesn't mean they're going to win the SEC, uh, but they're certainly going to be in contention for all those things. Yeah, I mean, and, and you look at it, what Georgia has to do from here is, you know, a, avoid a, a letdown game, which honestly, Mike, they didn't have a letdown. I mean, you could call the Auburn game at Auburn a bit of a letdown because of the final score and the way Auburn just kind of, but Auburn was the best team in the country at that time. You're not going to convince me otherwise because they beat Georgia and Alabama within the span of three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um and, and Auburn was playing well, and they had gotten things turned around. And, you know, after the, that Clemson game early last year, you know, they were kind of rolling. Um, I think um, when you look at it from the standpoint of their schedule moving forward, uh, you know, I don't know. Is Missouri going to be able to hang with Georgia? I doubt it. I think the outcome will probably be similar to South Carolina. But the game at LSU and then the Auburn game and Athens – uh, are the two that I'm looking for um, in terms of, you know, the next big test for Georgia. I, I felt that uh, – and I don't know that either one of those teams is going to beat the dogs. I, I think that, uh, you know, over the years when you when you see the Georgia-LSU series, they don't play very often. You know, Georgia plays pretty well in Baton Rouge at, at times. Um, I mean, even under Rick, they did that. And, of course, Kirby Smart is no stranger to leading a team into Baton Rouge. Uh, you know, I, I think that Auburn game, uh, you know, that that's going to be a battle just because Auburn, I think, is really, really good. I think they're one of the best teams in the country, and their defensive line is going to be a battle for that Georgia offensive line. Um, other than that, you know, uh, let's see the Crimson Tide and Bulldogs the first week in December uh, at Mercedes-Benz because that that's gonna that would be another heck of a game. Um, and I think that that's uh, that's kind of based on two weeks of the season that that will, that will be what happens. You know, so, so I think if you're the Gamecocks, the next five games are critical. I think they're all winnable. I think there's some that are losable. Um, and, and I think that when you're in that situation, hanging in the balance, you have to flush a big loss uh, against a, a very, very good football team or it's going to affect you. And, and I'll, I'll give an example of this. And I'm not comparing South Carolina to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt started 3-0 and last year. They beat Kansas State. Uh, which wasn't expected. They had a win over middle and, and a win, I think, at Western Kentucky or something. Alabama comes in. Derek Mason, as he's known to do, you know, starts talking his team up. And uh, it was 62 to nothing. And Vanderbilt did not win another game that year. Well, maybe they should have uh, until they beat Tennessee, a Tennessee team that had quit at the end of the year. Um I use that example because I'm convinced that Alabama game took the life completely out of that team. You know, not that they were going to win nine, but, you know, everybody's happy. Everybody's excited. They're 3-0. and Bama comes in, takes the life out of you, and you just kind of don't get back up. Football, play-to-play, game-to-game, season-to-season, it's not necessarily about the bad things that happen to you as a team. It's about how you respond. So is life. That's why people say football is an allegory of life. And so if you're the Gamecocks, you have to flush that, 
if to get back up, beat Vandy and Kentucky on the road. I mean, that Kentucky game, they've lost four in a row to the Wildcats. So, you know, you need to go turn the tide there and then worry about two big, big home games against Missouri and A&M. And, and, I, and I think if that happens, South Carolina will be okay. If you're Georgia, LSU, Auburn, you know, Georgia at times has struggled in Columbia, Missouri, but I just don't see it happening. I think they'll line up, run through them, maybe give up some more points, but I I just, you know, that D-line versus – I just don't know. So, I, you know, we'll see We'll see ultimately what happens there. I know that's a game a lot of people kind of think Georgia may, you know, maybe a trap game for them or something. But I, I think if you're Georgia, it, it's going to Baton Rouge. It's Auburn coming to Athens later this year. And then probably the Crimson Tide at Mercedes-Benz. Yeah. Or, I mean, I can – to me, it's actually a little harder to pick the Western champion, even as good as Alabama is in the East. I, I think Georgia <laughs> – I, I think Georgia's a, a virtual lock for Atlanta. I really do. And they're just, you know, again, they're at a different level right now, whereas at least Auburn is in the same ballpark as Alabama is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and maybe maybe LSU's making strides. Certainly Texas A&M, it, it, based on one game, and I, again, I try not to overreact based on one game, um, but what I saw from Kellen Mond. <laughs> There's that name. <laughs> didn't see that coming. Uh, I know I know you've stuck with that name for, for a while. And, uh, look, I didn't even think he's going to win the job. I thought it would be Starkle. Mm-hmm. So count that for a miss on my column. Um, I didn't think that game would be that close. Now, it looked like at the beginning it was going to be Route City. I mean, Clemson was imposing its will on A&M. And I was like, okay, this is kind of how I envisioned the game going. Like, once the, the energy of 100,000 at Kyle Field – once that tempers down a bit and the ball's kicked and everybody takes that first hit, talent will prevail. The better team will prevail. Uh, but give A&M credit. I mean, they came back. And, look, the one thing you get, well, a couple things you get for Jimbo. I mean, it, 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 Jimbo's going to ha- get you better quarterback play. Um, they looked like a more organized team. They didn't look as soft on defense. It, 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 look, this was a change of culture type job when Jimbo took it. And for $75 million, you, you, you don't get five years to change it. So we, we talked about this extensively last week. Why can't A&M get over that hump? They've got this. They've got that. Uh, it's as simple as finding the right coach. It, well, maybe Jimbo's the right coach. But, but they, they definitely showed me something there. Am I convinced they're uh, you know, a true factor in the West this year? Well, they're a factor in that they could spoil somebody's season, but I don't see them actually having much of a chance for Atlanta. But that's never that was never the goal realistically this year anyway. Just make some progress, coach them up, show that you got a semblance of, of any heart on defense. You're not a soft team. You shouldn't be. You're Texas A&M. Uh, and get some good quarterback play, which Jimbo typically has been able to coach quarterbacks well. So that showed me something. I'm with you. Clemson's still Clemson. This is not like, oh, Clemson's taking a step backwards. Uh, I, I don't think if you're realistic, you, you, that was your assessment from, from that game. Uh, the other big one, of course, was Kentucky, Florida. Uh, and I'm heading to Lexington actually this week to see Coach Stoops and company in person. Um <sighs> This is one of those where saw it coming, didn't see it coming. Didn't see Kentucky going in there and winning by 11 points in the swamp. By how long have I been talking about Felipe Franks and I just don't see it? Mm-hmm. I, j- I just don't see SEC quarterback out of Felipe Franks. And Dan Mullen 
is a lot of things, but he's not a miracle worker. They still don't have a quarterback. Maybe Trask is the answer. Maybe he gets uh, some time at some point. I think a lot of people thought at least he'd be very close to winning that job. Uh, I think Dan Mullen just can't resist. He looks at he looks at Felipe Franks, and man, does he look the part. Oh, goodness, does he look good coming off the bus, standing on those sideline with those cleats, standing tall and lanky. And boy, if when you watch him in practice throw the ball, oh, shoot, he can gun at 70 yards. Uh, but th- there's just something missing there. And again, I know last year he was a freshman, so maybe maybe that would have been premature to say the kid can never be successful in the Southeastern Conference as a quarterback. But there's there's another data point that we just saw on Saturday. That that offense still just anemic, and there's a lot. I you know I don't fall strength and conditioning coaches JC, um, except when a player dies on their watch. Mm-hmm. But I, I I hear people talking from Gainesville how there was a major issue with strength and conditioning over the last few years. That Florida's just an out of shape team and a a, a, a weak team and what have you. I mean, you fall recruiting. They're certainly not. They're, they're not recruiting uh, slow, weak uh, athletes. So, is the strength and conditioning that bad that it's gotten to this point, or is this just more of again? They're not that talented, and they don't have good quarterback play. Well, I, I think there's something to be said for that. You know, now under under Muschamp, they were a lot of things, but they were a strong, physical, in shape football team, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that did carry over to the two division titles McIlwain won. Um, you know, you don't go to Baton Rouge in a made-up game, you know, in a make-up game at the end of the year and win the SEC East with a goal line stand if you're not in shape. But I think right. a lot of Florida people are correct. They saw it coming because there was just kind of – there was no – there wasn't a lot of player development. Guys were just kind of the same. Um, and, and, look, they're not overly talented. These are not your – your grandfather's floor. I guess you could say your grandfather's now. You're not, these aren't your daddy's Florida Gators. This is not 2008. Tim Tebow is not walking through that door. These aren't even your older brother's Florida Gators. Yeah, I mean, these are these guys, <laughs> they're, they're not. And, and look, Frank's, the problem is, I'm looking at the stat, they threw the ball 38 times. Now, look, I'd probably try to throw it if I were Florida because uh, you've got good receivers, you know, and, and maybe Kyle Trask, who I think has a better, is a more accurate passer, uh, maybe he is the answer. I, I don't know. But, um, you know, 17 for 38 is not going to cut it. I mean, you've got Kendarius Tony, Van Jefferson, Freddie Swain, who's solid, Tyree Cleveland. Uh, you've got guys, okay, in that receiver core. And you have to be better uh, than that. But, you know, I'll tell you this. Credit Eddie Grand, the Kentucky offensive coordinator, for making good second-half adjustments. I'll tell you what, Todd Grantham, uh, his defense is either lights lights in or lights out. It's either lights out or lights off. Or, or mm-hmm. like, I don't even know. That was a dumb, dumb uh, statement to make there. I think we know where you're going with uh, well, that. You know, and that they, was a criticism of him at Georgia, by the it, way. It, Same thing. Yeah, one week they would hold Auburn to 36 yards of total offense in a huge game at home. The next week, Georgia Tech would put up 45. I mean, it just, you know, I think sometimes his defenses are susceptible to running quarterbacks and and running and run games in general. Um, and I remember some teams lining up against Georgia and running it all over them, and you're like, wow, what happened? But, but I thought Terry Wilson, Jr., the quarterback for Kentucky, played a great game. 
um, 11 for 16, 151 passing, but 105 on 10 and a touchdown on the ground. Then you combine that with Benny Snell, 27 for 175, who just ran through. Kentucky lined up, ran the ball, got it, and made it happen. Um, they didn't really have to pass, and they outscored them 20 to 6 in the second half. That's what you're going to get with a Todd Grantham defense. There, and it may even vary half by half. I mean, sometimes you're going to, you know, move the ball really good. I mean, shut a team down really good, and sometimes you're not. That system also takes a while to get used to, Mike, because keep in mind, you know, they recruited for kind of a 4-3 a type of defense under Jeff Collins uh, early on uh, under McIlwain. Um, that was his guy, you know, and I know Collins came from Mississippi State, but what Grantham does is fundamentally different than what Collins was trying to do. So, so that, was, that, that group wasn't really recruited to run Todd Grantham's unique style of defense, and, and I, I thought that would be what hurt him this year in addition to struggling offensively. I'll say this about the University of Kentucky, though, and I'll say this. When you snap a 31-game losing streak to a team, it is not necessarily about, at that point, what the other team didn't do. It's about what you did to kind of turn the tide. And Mark Stoops, Especially on the road. Yeah, Mark Stoops basically has beaten South Carolina, and that's it, and Louisville once. You know, beat, won that game against Lamar Jackson and Louisville that year. Not a lot of big wins for him, um, but this one's huge. I mean, he's the first coach that's done it in three decades at Kentucky. And, you know, when you do that, it, it, sometimes it's about you. And, and I'll tell you, Kentucky returned 18 starters this year. And no, we didn't talk about it because, well, they don't have a quarterback. It's Benny Snell. Who else? Their defense sort of underachieved last year. They couldn't stop the pass. You know, they kind of, you know, like they, they do sometimes, they kind of beat South Carolina and then that was it, you know, and got into a, a smaller bowl. But I think that this is a veteran, this was a veteran team with a better than expected performance from its quarterback in, in, in Wilson uh, and a great running back and a veteran offensive line going in and beating a program that's still finding its way under a new coach. Uh, do I think Kentucky's going to finish ahead of Florida in the standings this year? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Florida's got to solve its quarterback problems. But, but I thought that that was what that was what that ended up being. And and we may look back on that game, Mike, and say that was a terrible game. That was a terrible time to play that game for the Gators. But we may look back and say this is what uh, this is kind of what we expected. It's going to take Mullen a while. I, I don't know yet because we've only had two weeks. Uh, but certainly. Um, Certainly, I think that was a, a big win for the Wildcats and and really something that, that, you know, when you're in a building situation like that, that's a big, big building block, I think, for Mark Stoops because they, they've been close against Florida a lot. You know, I mean, it, it's heartbreaking losses. So to get over the hump there, down there in the swamp, second week of the season, uh, I think is a tribute to, to what he's built. And uh, we'll see kind of – Kentucky's got a, a good team coming up, Mike. Uh, that nobody that, that we've talked about, but that I watched a lot of on Saturday uh, in Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. That that's going to be a big, big challenge as, as for for the Wildcats. So they've got them coming up. They got South Carolina coming up. Um, so it's not going to be easy. But I, I think they're off to certainly a a, a good start in terms of uh, you know getting over the Gator hump. And we'll see what they do from here on out. Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more 
like a closet. An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped boat neck sweaters. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from. Jess, it's happening. Whoa, Tina, what are you doing in my car? Space is here now. No closet will be left behind. Did you say closet? Yes, the Container Store Custom Closets are up to 25% off. It doesn't matter the size or shape. Space is coming to them all. You're not serious. Space isn't a joke, Jess. How long do we have? Through October 13th. All right, buckle up. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha. The Container Store, where space comes from. Yeah, Terry Wilson's the quarterback you're talking about, and, and he, he gives them just enough. You know, he's a dual-threat guy combined with Snell, combined with a, a decent offensive line. I don't know if I'll call it a great offensive line. Um, but what people are overlooking is they, they've got some NFL dudes on that defense. That that secondary's got some tall, lanky guys that, that are good cover guys. So it wasn't all Felipe Franks just falling flat on his face. I mean, they, they do have some guys in Lexington. When you shut out, a Florida offense at home in the swamp in the second half. Um, I swear they got six points late in the, in the fourth quarter, but basically they, they controlled the game in this, in the second half against Florida. Yeah, they controlled it most of the game, but really I think a lot of people were watching that game and thinking, okay, Florida's going to turn it on. They went 10, seven at the half and Florida's offense just could not find answers. Uh, so I, I'm with you. It's, it's not, it's less about what Florida did not do and more about what Kentucky did. I think, look, I think you have to know as a fan base who you are and what you are. We all know the limitations for Kentucky football. I can't tell you doing games there the last few years. Don't let anybody tell you that all they care about is basketball in Lexington. Uh, they love basketball, but this whole notion that uh, we're all such simple-minded um, we're a simple-minded species that we all have to selectively pick one sport we care about and are passionate about because that's all we can handle on our plate. That's the stupidest notion. I hear people say that all the time, and it's it's a moronic thought. Uh, there are fans of several schools, like a Florida, that have seen national championships in both sports, not to mention baseball, that, that love it, that love all two, all three. Well, Kentucky fans, yeah, it's always going to be a, a basketball school first, but they have pumped a bunch of money into those facilities. Crowds are good at Commonwealth Stadium. Excitement is in the air. They just want, they don't expect SEC titles there. They just want a competitive team that goes out, picks up some wins, is entertaining on Saturday, and will compete for bowl games. That, that's their DNA. And if, if Mark Stoops can do that, Mark Stoops will be there for a long, long time. I, I think Mark Stoops is the right guy for the job. I think that, that they're, they've got just enough. Uh, to be competitive in the East to an extent, you know, again, we put it at, this is a tier system. Georgia's on its own tier right now in that tier two, Kentucky's right there with Florida and South Carolina in terms of competing for some of the same things. Uh, you mentioned how they've had success against South Carolina. Now they pick up a big win against Florida. Could they lose against Mississippi state and Missouri back to back? Absolutely. Cause that's Kentucky football. But uh, I, I think they've actually, they've, they've got the right, they got the right mojo going on in Lexington for what for what Kentucky football can be. Uh, those are the three biggest games.
JC. I mean, from from a this region of the country, obviously Stanford, Southern Cal. I think we saw while Southern Cal is a stud quarterback, he's still 18 years old, and uh, Stanford is not far from Washington in the Pac-12 in terms of uh, being a, a legit contender. Anything else stand out in your mind over the weekend? Because I, I didn't see a whole lot that really stood out to me. Uh, congratulations to the Colorado State Rams uh, defeating Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. There's the Arkansas That's not loss. even upset. There's, there's even the Arkansas. But Colorado State comes to Florida. That's the McIlwain game that the they had to schedule. The contract game, yeah. So they got to go to Florida this week, but uh, so we'll see. Um, you know, looking around the league, I, I was impressed. This is going to sound really weird. Vanderbilt was in a struggle in front of about nine people with Nevada. Um, <laughs> look, Vanderbilt fans. <laughs> look, I know. I know Nashville's got a lot of things to do, but, man, come on. It was, it was the, the crowd there. Uh, but it was a struggle. Nevada, you know, has some good players. That's Colin Kaepernick's alma mater, the Wolfpack. Uh, and, and I was impressed with how Vanderbilt said, all right, you know what? We're going to line up and run it up their behunkuses, and we're going we're gonna to blow them out. And they did, 45-10. So I, I, Vanderbilt, to me, I know they had the impressive start last year. They go to Notre Dame this weekend. Um, you know, to me, I, I sort of liked what I saw out of them. You mentioned Kellen Mond in Texas A&M. Obviously, uh, that was outstanding. I, I know Tennessee beat East Tennessee 50-whatever-to-whatever-whatever. Whatever, whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, is my take on that. But, but yeah, Mississippi State going to Kansas State. And, and I watched this game, Mike. And K-State, that yeah. K-State's a tough place to play. Mm-hmm. Auburn went out there and struggled a few years ago when they had a really good team. Um, I don't know why you schedule that road game if you're Mississippi State. But, boy, I was impressed. Now, Nick Fitzgerald, is he going to overshoot some guys and, and, and miss some big plays down the field sometimes? Yes. But the way they ran the football against a defense that does not give up a lot of rushing yards, even in the Big 12 annually, uh, and their defensive line was, was really – I looked at it and I was like, boy, this, this is a legit football team, and I know they have a new coach, but he's got them rolling. And I just don't know. You know, I, I, think, I, think, I think the hype around Mississippi State is pretty, uh, you know, pretty legit. I, you know, their D-line is really, really good. Uh, I thought that was a legitimate road win over a team that, you know, was only a seven-and-a-half-point home dog against the Bulldogs. And Mississippi State went out there like an SEC road favorite should and, and, and won the ball game. I thought that was uh, super-duper impressive. Uh, I was impressed, too. I think I think for a lot of people, your average person might just they, – they know one name. They know Nick Fitzgerald. They don't know the names of the best defensive line in this conference. Um, they don't know the names of that offensive line. They don't know the names of those running backs. They, they got athletes, folks. I mean, they're, they're not just a – like scrappy team with a Heisman Trophy candidate that overcomes their lack of talent with a guy who just runs around and makes plays. And they, no, I mean, one of the reasons why Dan Mullen was so coveted as a head coach because people looked at what he did in Starkville and they said, man, if he can do that in Starkville, because that is a tough job. And look at what he's doing there. No one's done it before, and maybe no one will do it since. Dan Mullen, look at you. So I, this is not a knock on Coach Moorhead. I, I think Coach Moorhead's going to be a good fit in Starkville. I do. 
but he inherited a good situation, really did. Well, and that's the, th- the thing, too. You know, Flo- I see Florida fans around the Internet just because they remember the Urban Meyer era and when, you know, Florida had a top ten recruiting class every year. And then during, during the Spurrier era, they had some. They had the number one class one year, but the rankings weren't as well, I guess, scouted as they were back then. So you never know where ultimately it would have ranked. But Mullen never had a recruiting class better than 25th. Mm-hmm. And what he did was he recruited the he went to war with Hugh Freeze and Ole Miss and recruited his share out of the Mississippi high school ranks. And there is elite talent in that state. And if you look back, you know, I know Raquan Davis is from Meridian, plays for Alabama. I know some guys have gotten out of that state, but not a lot. Not a lot this decade. If you look at when he, when Freeze got to Oxford and uh, Mullen got to Starkville, those Mississippi kids are just about 90% staying home, and that used to never happen. Um, and there's good talent there. Plus, he minds the JUCOs. Plus, they're good at going and evaluating players from out of state, i.e. Dak Prescott. Um, and fitting Nick Fitzgerald. The, Nick Fitzgerald fitting them into their system. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll never forget the war on the message boards I had. Uh, Mississippi State signed two quarterbacks the year they signed Fitzgerald, both out of Georgia. And the other kid they signed, I don't remember his name. He was about a 6'5 guy from Marietta that was a, a, a two-sport guy. Great athlete. I mean, you could, you could salivate at him, you know, when you watched him, uh, you know, and the potential that he had. But he was a two-sport guy, and I wasn't really sure. And I watched Nick Fitzgerald. I was like, this is the perfect fit for this offense. And so I told them all, after we rated the kid from Marietta three stars and everybody got mad, I was like, Nick, Nick Fitzgerald's going to be your quarterback. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. And hmm. I don't think they're sweating it now uh, hardly at all. I mean, Oklahoma, and I talked to a, a good source that's pretty familiar with the Oklahoma program the other day. They're very excited about Kyler Murray out there. I know I had some questions about him earlier this year. Uh, they think this kid's just special. And watching him against UCLA, Mike, 49-21, you know, UCLA's not ready to go in there and even compete in that game. I thought they played hard. But uh, – uh, Kyler Murray's the real deal, uh, in my opinion, and Oklahoma, I think, uh, is the real deal too. I, I thought they were pretty, uh, pretty stellar. Disappointed in Southern Cal. Don't need to talk about that. Did want to mention one more thing from last week. Uh, I would like to say congratulations to Herm Edwards <laughs> and the Arizona State Sun Devils. For going to two and zero and knocking off Michigan State in a in a defensive struggle, in a defensive struggle in Tempe, congratulations, Herm. I if you would have told me Arizona State would be grabbing all the headlines, while Khalil Tate and Arizona would be the story of ineptitude, led by Kevin Sumlin. I would have said you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, to me, Kev, the, the job, the Arizona job for Kevin Sumlin with Khalil Tate there was like ready-made for success. And the Herm Edwards thing, and I'm not going to apologize for that. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, in yeah. your face, I told you Herm Edwards was great. No. no, no, no. You're a fan of Herm Edwards personally. You liked him at personally. You were pulling for him for whatever reasons you had, whatever perhaps agenda you had. But you didn't, in good logic and faith, sit there and say, I know Herm Edwards is going to go 2-0, and and I know it's going to be an outstanding hire for Arizona State. If you're telling people that, you are lying. There was no reason to believe 
that that was an ingenious hire. And look, it's two games in, folks. Pump the brakes a little bit. Still don't know what that's going to turn out to be. Nor do I think Kevin Sumlin's going to be a major failure at Arizona for whatever reason. It's not working right now with him and Khalil Tate. They don't seem to be on the same page. But, but yes, absolutely, Herm Edwards, one of the most likable guys, uh, has been able to pull off one significant win. One significant win yeah. against, the, against Michigan State at home. And that's great. We'll see how they do the rest of the year uh, in that conference, which, uh, you know, certainly there's a there, you want to talk about a line of demarcation. I mean, you take you take Washington and you take Stanford and then I think you draw a line in the sand. And I don't see anybody else really in that ballpark there. Just like in the Big 12, you mentioned Oklahoma. Well, throw in West Virginia and maybe TCU. You, you take Texas out of the conversation. I mean, Texas is just not ready for the big time right now. Uh, they'll, they'll have Southern Cal at home coming up here. Uh, that'll be a, an eight o'clock kick in Austin in Texas, a, a three and a half point favorite in that one. There, there's two rather intriguing games featuring big 12 teams. That one in TCU, Ohio state, I think game days over there, right? At, uh, in Fort worth. Yeah. And well, obviously you'll hear a whole lot about the urban Meyer kind of aftermath a few weeks after the whole thing, uh, fizzled out. Yeah, I, I actually think that game they're playing it in. Um, Jer- they're playing in Arlington World. Yeah, yeah but it's, yeah. it's near Fort Worth. I can't remember exactly. Arlington's right in between Dallas and Fort Worth. So. Correct. Yes. Maybe so game day is actually at TCU though. I, I don't know. I'll have to, I'd have to look. I thought. Up. I thought. I might have. I might have misread. I thought they might have been actually at TCU, even though the game's at AT and T Stadium. But but either way, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of focus on that game for a number of different reasons. Um, we'll see if Gary Patterson, who if you give Gary Patterson time to prepare for a big game. Uh, he, Gary Patterson's a danger. That's a dangerous game for Ohio state. I'd say that even if urban Meyer was patrolling the sidelines, of course, it'll be the final week of his uh, three game suspension. Obviously uh, the biggest game in the Southeastern conference, Auburn LSU and, and coach O boy, uh, I tell you, Colonel, Colonel Rep was crying years ago. If if Coach O pulls that one off, Auburn fans could be crying. I mean, that'd be a huge win for LSU, and that'd be a major setback for War Eagle if it happens. That's the CBS game at three thirty. Auburn a ten point favorite. Do you give the Bayou Bengals a shot? I, absolutely. I mean, that you know, this series is really interesting because that it tends to go with the home team back and forth. Um, even the year Auburn lost every SEC game under Chiswick, it was a 12 to 10 ball game in, at Jordan Hare Stadium, and LSU escaped uh, by the skin of their teeth. Now, usually, if you look at kind of how the talent has flown, most years when, when Auburn plays this game at home, they've got a better team than LSU. Um, Sometimes not, though, because in 2013 and then last year, they went to Baton Rouge and lost. So it's a fascinating series uh, from the standpoint of the home team usually gets the best of the other team. I, You know, do, do I think LSU has a chance? Absolutely. I, I think that things have settled down. Uh, I think they went out there and, and you know, kind of like I thought they would. I thought it would be closer. But I thought they would get sick of hearing all summer about – and there's a lot of good football players on that roster, okay? Let's just – first and foremost, LSU has talent. LSU has big, strong linemen. LSU has nine linebackers that are fast that will knock your you-know-what in the dirt, okay? They have great defensive back play. 
you know, they have whatever running backs they have. Joe Burrow's a good quarterback. I think he's probably the stabilizing force. Um, and they went in there, and they were, they were, they were like, no, Miami, we're, you're going to have to man up and play us. And, and Miami, of course, did not man up. Don't let that make you believe or make anybody out there believe that Albert is not going to man up in this football game. Nice. Uh, and, and that's the thing. Uh, do I give LSU a chance? Absolutely. And do I think it would be a huge, huge win for Coach Orgeron if they happen to win it? Yes, I do. But the home team typically wins this game. Now, in 08, LSU did win up there. And, and in 2000, I mean, it's been more more frequently that, that LSU's won at Auburn than vice versa. But, you know, a lot of those years, LSU had a much better football team than Auburn did. Um so, you know, do, do I think LSU has a shot? Yes. Do I, do I think it's going to happen? Uh, probably not. Do I think it's going to be, you know, 41-7 to 7 like it was in 2014? No, I don't. I think it'll be a pretty close ball game. Um, but Auburn will, will win the game, you know, probably somewhere in the, you know, maybe, maybe they cover, maybe it's seven to nine points. I don't know. But um, I would think that uh, – Auburn would win, but I would if I'm LSU. Like, look, you've still got a shot at a lot of a lot of big wins. You still got Georgia and Alabama at home uh, for the rest of the year. So, so nothing's off the table with a loss. Uh, I, I just think that uh, I just think Auburn's still better based on what I've seen so far. Yeah, Jarrett Stidham versus Rozier over there at Miami. Uh, apples and oranges. You start hearing everywhere LSU is back. LSU is back, and. Coach O is seen in a much, much different light if they can win that ball game. I, I will say that. Yeah. Colorado State, Florida, we mentioned. Arkansas, North Texas. Arkansas might be the worst team in the SEC. Again, it's not a knock on Chad Morris. It just uh, inherited a less than stellar crop, uh, including uh, the quarterback issues there. North Texas. I'll bet you a lot of people wind up picking an upset there from the mighty mean green of Denton. Um, (laughs) Alabama, Ole Miss. You know, I just had Ole Miss this past weekend. Love their offense. First rounder at one receiver. First rounder at another receiver. First rounder at left tackle. and And a quarterback who may or may not ever see an NFL roster, but Jordan Tamu is legit. I mean, that kid... Not only does he have all the abilities, can he make all the throws? He just plays ridiculously smart, almost flawless. Um, <laughs> if it was anybody but Alabama, I'd say uh, Ole Miss, you, you can chalk up a minimum 25, 30 points because that's what they're going to do to most teams in the league this year. I don't know if they're going to do it against Alabama. And the bigger story is I watched Ole Miss's defense give up 41 points to the mighty Salukis of Southern Illinois. I can only imagine how many Alabama are going to roll up in Oxford. SEC Nation will be there. There'll be an incredible uh, scene. The the Grove, the Square, it'll be lit, as the kids say. But once that ball is kicked, I don't know how Ole Miss, forget about stops Alabama, I don't know how they contain them. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing, is, is Alabama's offense – Alabama has the offense to go and win a, win a sixty three to forty two type of ball game in this one. Uh, in fact, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, look in the Ole Miss offense if they execute correctly, they're, they're going to get their share um, unless they just become one dimensional and can't run the ball and all that good stuff. This game was sixty six to three a year ago. You know those Ole Miss kids play with a lot of pride. Matt Luke. Uh, Ricky Longo, those guys, uh, are they going to have them ready? 
I just uh, I'm just with you. I, I, Alabama, I, I haven't seen them open the season and score half a hundred in, in each game in a long time. Uh, you know, 51-14 against Louisville, then Arkansas State, which Arkansas State's not a bad team, 57-7. to They're clicking on both sides of the football right now. Um, so, in my opinion, I, I just think that um, – I don't know. I just think that uh, Alabama is going to be too much to handle. Uh, but we may see Ole Miss put up about 30, and then Saban's going to gripe about his defense all week. So yeah. <laughs> it, it may be a positive positive thing. Yeah. He'll, he'll find something, and, and somebody somewhere will still be clinging to a, an, an overplayed and overrated story about a quarterback controversy in Alabama. Please, folks, let it go. Mm-hmm. Move on. Alabama's just fine at quarterback, and Tua is the better quarterback. Uh, Mississippi State, Louisiana, Bulldogs roll against the Raging Cajuns. Georgia should whoop up on uh, – Coach Stockstill and the mighty Blue Raiders of Murfreesboro. Uh, Kentucky, Murray State, Wildcats looking to go 3-0 and for the first time in a while. Tennessee, UTEP, Notre Dame, Vanderbilt. Some people are intrigued by this game. I must admit I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's a good game for, for Kyle Shermer to show a guy who's very likely going to be an NFL quarterback to show what he can do against a really good Notre Dame defense. Yeah, it's just because Notre Dame struggled with Ball State last week. I, I expect the Irish to win. You know, maybe it's you know, 28 to 10 or something. Vandy will give them a pretty good game, but I just don't see it happening. I think Notre Dame will be ready. I think they, I think they had their we're not focused game last week mm-hmm. against the, the mighty Ball State Cardinals from Muncie, Indiana. But I think that uh, the Irish will come back this week and go to 3-0. Yeah, I think Notre Dame was distracted by David Letterman's incredible descent from funny guy to angry, bitter, not funny guy, the famous Ball State alum. I think that I think that was in their heads during much of that game. Texas A&M taking on UL Monroe. That'll be a 7:30 kick, and uh, Missouri at 0-2 Purdue. Now Jeff Brom and company have had. A couple of tough games off to a rough start. Still a dangerous game in my eyes. In fact, the odds makers see it that way too. Missouri only a six-point favorite in that one. Well, we got a chance. I uh, just want to quickly mention uh, one of our proud sponsors, BP Skinner Clothiers. If you want to go ahead and fill the holes in your wardrobe, get a new garment for a special occasion, or just want to replace an old suit, BP Skinner's expert clothiers will guide you throughout the entire process you may choose to schedule an appointment at your home or office and when i say at your home or office i'm talking about wherever you may live wherever you may be listening to this podcast uh join the 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 team there that so many people like myself have done to just improve what you wear feel better about how you look it makes such a difference buying off the rack is fine i've done it for many years but uh when you get custom-made suits particularly by somebody who knows what they're doing and somebody who has a great selection such as brent skinner does it is a mammoth mammoth difference go to the website bp skinner it's S-K-I-N-N-E-R, clothiers.com. And they'll have the phone number, contact information there, and you can go ahead and set up an appointment. And, again, they'll come to you. You don't have to come to them. You will be very glad that you did. Uh, I think I mentioned all the games. Uh, yeah, all the SEC games. Any other games you're looking at this weekend? Uh, no, I mean, it, yeah, there, there's not a uh... – 
Oklahoma, Iowa State, that's kind of a revenge game. I don't know why Miami's playing a road game at Toledo. Somebody a few years ago scheduled all these Bobo road games for Miami. I don't understand <laughs> it. They played at App State a couple years ago. Nothing against Rockets fans, nothing against the Happy Appies, but the U should never play a road game against a Mac or a, a Sunbelt opponent. That's just me. So anyway, poor Mark Rick, but they got to go up there. Uh, Georgia Tech at Pitt, no. BYU at Wisconsin, no. Although that game could come into play. Well, no, Wisconsin's conference schedule is better. That game's not going to come into play. I, you know, Boise State, Oklahoma State, oh, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than that, it's not a not a super intriguing uh, day of college football. I mean, it, it's kind of one of those weekends where, you know, some teams play tough games week one, some played them tough in, in week two, and then everybody's going to kind of reset. And then the following week, you know, we're going to have a uh, – I can have a lot of good ones. Yeah, well, uh, we'll, we'll get much more conference matchups and many more intriguing matchups. And of course, yeah. Oh, and I'll say, I'll say this: Texas and SC. I, we hadn't talked about it a whole. It makes me sad because I remember this. Uh, you know, this the great game of the national championship, you know, thirteen yeah. years ago. But I also keep waiting for these teams to come back, and and they haven't. The, no. that, that SC performance the other night, same team we've seen the last couple of years. Correct. And, and what do I always say? If you want to, if you want to take a seemingly indestructible program, how do you get it to be all of a sudden destructible? Two things. Number one, make bad coaching hires. Uh, I think Southern Cal and Texas have had some of that. And number two, miss on quarterbacks, have shoddy or mediocre quarterback play. And both have definitely had that. And Texas still has that. And Southern Cal just, you know, it got to the point where, yes, he's a stud, but you're starting a kid that should be getting ready for his senior prom in high school. And they're, they're pinning everything, putting everything on his shoulders. But those two things have, if you want to, if you want to know why those two programs, which were so high back in 05 can go to where they are now, 13 years later, I submit to you, uh, Sarkeesian, strong. I submit to you, mediocre quarterbacks for two programs that shouldn't have mediocre quarterbacks. Now, Southern Cal, of course, did have Sam Darnold, the benefit of him for a few years. But but outside of that, uh, they've, they've had some years with less than stellar quarterback play. And they haven't had a peak. I mean, Pete Carroll was just a... He was a hurricane that came in there and completely turned everything around. Now you had a little bit of indiscretion there with uh, Reggie Bush and whatnot, getting some things that they probably were not supposed to get. Um, But by the same token, Southern Cal, even if they're playing it clean, should be an elite uh, program. We've been we've been waiting for it to get back there. And Texas. This Tom Herman thing is going to be real interesting. I know you and I both have a lot of respect for Tom Herman. You and I both thought the hire made sense, seemed like a great fit. And I am certainly not bailing on Tom Herman, nor am I bailing on Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. I think in time, those two guys will excel. But it's taken a little bit longer to see what they want in Austin right now. Uh, I mean, they're just not... It's not it's not clicking right now. Let's put it that way. Yeah, there's just something's not right there. But uh, it, it's probably more of a culture change that had to take place than people think. Um, it also may be that uh, Tom Herman's kind of feeling his way in a major job. They're not the underdogs anymore. It doesn't matter when you play, unless you're playing Oklahoma. Uh, everybody that steps on that field 
regardless of TCU, Baylor, Texas Tech, all those teams in the Big 12, they see the burnt orange, they see the the Bevo on the side of the helmet or the Longhorn on the side of the helmet, they want to beat you. You're the hunted, no matter what you do, no matter how good or bad you are. Um, And so there has to be some resilience and some toughness there. Uh, And and I think that for so long, there's been sort of an entitlement culture out at Texas that it takes a while to kind of learn how to get tough. I mean, you need a – you remember when Lou Holtz went to Notre Dame? Of course. You need that. You need the first year we didn't know how to win. The second year uh, we knew how to win, but we weren't quite good enough to win. And then the third year, you know, you need that kind of step. You remember his speech, third year we didn't know. Yeah, that, that's what Tom Herman has to do. You know, they need to start learning how to win, but you're not quite good enough to win. And then the next year you're going to win at all, you know, with your resolve or whatever. So I, I think that has to happen at Texas. I want to tell everybody about our other sponsor. Before we jump off here, and also how to subscribe to our podcast, I'll say I'll tell you that first. Go to iTunes, Apple Podcast, go to Google Play. The numbers have been great. We appreciate each and every one of you listening. If you subscribe, go rate us five stars or however many stars you want. I can't imagine you not rating us five stars and uh, give us a little shout out because that's how you know we get ranked highly among the world of podcast. I want to talk about ATS Sportswear, custom designed sportswear. They have four. Very talented artist on staff. Say you need shirts for your church picnic or your family reunion or something like that. Uh, go to my friends at ATS Sportswear. They specialize in quick turnaround and quality work. Give my buddy Stephen Gravely a call, 864-346-3401. You can also text him or email him, S. Gravely. that's S-G-R-A-V-E-L-Y, 1967, at gmail.com. That's ATS Sportswear. If you tell him you heard about it on J.C. and Morgan, he'll give you a 15% discount. If you're talking about buying $300 worth of uh, T-shirts, that's a pretty significant chunk of change. All right. Uh, always, it's been our pleasure to keep you entertained on the treadmill and the drive home or wherever else you're listening to this podcast. A little more than an hour of action-packed uh, informational stuff, and we look forward to bringing it to you again next week. So until then, for J.C. Sherbert, Mike Morgan saying so long. Stay safe to everybody out there in the Carolinas and around that nasty hurricane coming through, and hopefully we'll have nothing but good news to report to you on that and other things next week. So long, everybody. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space Space. to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped Striped. boat neck sweaters. Sweaters. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from.